0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, Leading Leaders and Leading Teams, Brandon Dipsy shows listeners how to develop effective leadership in team building through relational and intentional values. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu. Slash hallelujah.
1: You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose because God's called you to lead your team. So um, I know Eric and I um, know James. Um, tell me, I'm sorry, your name? Jessica. Jessica, tell me where do you serve and what do you do? Um, I'm the Director
2: of Worship Arts at Fellowship United Methodist
1: Church and Trophy Club, which is close to Fort Worth. Okay, cool. Cool. And do you actively lead worship also? Yes. Sweet. Very good. Very
2: Contemporary. good. Contemporary Awesome.
1: contemporary and praise contemporary music and traditional hymns. for Awesome. Well, good to have you here. Glad you came. Well, we're here to talk about that. leading leaders, leading teams. And to open up, we are here to discuss and share how to develop effective leadership and team building through relational and intentional values. So the first question is, um, can we move? Brittany, you're on it. that's awesome. And by the way, guys, this is uh, Hillary, one of our um, acting interns for today, and Brittany, who is our intern with media, and Josh, our intern musically with uh, piano. This stuff is great pianist. It's awesome. He's also on my worship team, too. Brittany serves in our media team, and Hillary, she's actually been doing a lot of video for us, so this has really been a cool thing. So, um, first question How does your music ministry garden grow? It was striking to me these words that were introduced by a a great mentor friend of mine. Uh, His name is Buddy Owens, and this guy did all the Trauma's Keeper events way back in the height of the Maranatha days. And that's actually where I'm from. I've done a lot of my training with the Maranatha worship team for a long time. And I have my master's in debt of worship theology from Southern California. And my undergrad's in composition, performance, through local University of Houston, and serve at Crossroads Christian Church, which is in Cypress, Texas. So, that's where we are. Now, getting back to Buddy. Buddy introduces one verse, and it struck me. It comes from Song of Solomon 1.6, and we don't really think of the song as a book on leadership because that's not really what it's written for. But if you look at this verse, it's very interesting. It says this, My mother's sons were angry with me, and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. Well, let's go back to that. Let's, let's stop right there. It's about tending your own creative garden and not your brother's. What do I mean by that? Simply this. We spend so much time in the to-do schedules of our ministries that we neglect little things. Leadership is a big thing, but yet it's the microcosms along the way we can easily skip. Things like creativity, things like space and rest, we tend to look at those as little tiny items, but that's actually where our gardens grow, and that's where I want to camp out today. We spend so much time doing other things that what the the writer here was saying is that I've neglected my own. I've been so busy doing other things and tending to other people, I've neglected my own garden. And really, this is where God calls it to grow, because if we learn how to have our, let's say, soil, if you will, of our hearts. Jesus talked a lot about the soil of our hearts, about it being cultivated and fertile. If we neglect those items, then what good can God grow from our heart if we're always pressing, always down to the wire and busy? So, neglecting our own garden becomes critical not to do. So, when do you cultivate time with God? We become so quenched from pouring into others again, I just said that, that he was pouring into you. That's really the main deal. So in tending your garden, it's about choosing the right foundation. The soil is where growth happens. They cultivate your soil to become good. Beef, I mean, what are you feeding your garden is basically the question. Are you feeding it with, you know, task after task at church? Is it rehearsal after rehearsal? Are they just items, items after items? And we know that by feeding our garden with good things, like what God has given to us—His Word, and Spirit, things like rest—really, there's a lot that can come from that. So, and also pruning the garden is important too. Yeah, you're good, it. So, the gardener, when Jesus comes to inspect your garden, what kind of fruit will you give Him? So, out of out of what you cultivate from the soul of your heart, would you be proud to offer God whatever it is that He's growing within you? Or would you not be proud because maybe you're not allowing God to grow what he wants to do through you? What kinds of fruits are you growing? Hebrews 13, 5 tells us that uh, his fruit is worthy. Uh, I'm sorry. Is the fruit worthy to be on your lips? That's it. And is the fruit worthy to be shared with others? The things that God's growing inside of you. And is it possible? Last question here. Is it possible to be in constant communion and worship with God? You ever thought about that so that's i'm not asking that question is it is it really possible to be in constant communion and constant presence of god i would say yes it's just extreme it's kind of hard I yeah mean, we, fall, we fall short a lot absolutely i think that we're trying we, we need to be working towards it right Well, see, I've, I've had, and I've heard pastors and worship leaders tell me no, that it's not possible. Because these are guys that are strapped by the watch. I don't wear a watch because I just don't believe in, you know, keeping my focus here. I'd rather keep it here in my heart. But a lot of guys are so stressed with this, and even for me it's a temptation to think about time, to think about things i got to do. I'm a perfectionist. That's, that's my, that, those are my imperfections. I like to perfect things. I like to be busy. But it gets me in trouble. Those are my weaknesses. And for a lot of guys, we we have a hard time admitting our mistakes and our weaknesses because it gets us into the constant communion of self, I would say. And I've been there. So look back on forty eight hours of your worship life. and I don't when I say worship life, I don't mean your Sunday life. I don't mean the time where you're worshiping in congregation. Or the time that your daily time of private time with God. I mean the whole whopping 48 hours. That's waking up, that's going through going through your day, through your job, school, whatever, coming home, eating, sleeping again for 48 hours. Here's a question. Are you proud of those 48 hours of what you spent? And were they a worthy to God? And then here's the second question would you give those 48 hours to someone else? Here's the third question. If you gave it to someone else, your 48 hours, would they give it back to you? Or would they keep it? I know I can look back on my life and think, you know what, the last hour wasn't good. And I would not dare to share that with anyone. Because I know if I gave it to someone, they would just hand it back and run the other direction. So I think it's only healthy for us to ask those questions. The kind of life that we live is the kind of life that God wants to be more a part of to to integrate us, to be more fertile in what he's wanting to grow deep within us. And if we don't let him, our gardens become quenched. Our gardens become yellow and dying. So the alternative 48 hours continue the presence of God just an example let's talk about the effectiveness of a team because if we talk about teams that's an outreach of who you are as a leader it's an outreach of who you are as a person how you lead your team is reflective of how you live your daily life personally and that's a fact there's there's not look I tried this I started out leading worship 18 years ago and I thought man if, if I can just put on the front you know be good at rehearsal be good at my job, And i'm cool with that but then i just go back maybe home and just be the way i want to be selfish perfect judgmental critical but if i put on all this front up here in front of the church i'm okay because people see me up here they don't see me back here that's called unauthentic or inauthentic and so how we lead our teams is reflective of who we are as a person because if I'm authentic with my walk with God, if I'm authentic with my walk with my wife, my wife is my best friend. Heather and I have been together for 18 years, and we just had a child last Monday. Yeah, thank you. And we're just totally stoked. But it's an outflow of who we are in our relationship. And, and our child doesn't come first. Heather comes first. That's, that's our marriage because we have, we have a tight unity, teamship, and now our child has become part of that team. Now our church teams are not the same way. It's not that kind of marriage, but they are integral of who we are as a leader and how we prioritize what we do. So that's why relationships is number one. Then we have leadership. Effective leadership means that simply someone, a great mentor of mine, put it this way: that leadership is the is what the science. Of management says is impossible. Leadership is the art of what the science of management says is not possible. Material simply means that we got to have the right tools, resources, education. If it's conferences, if it's books, if it's a mentor, and I highly encourage that if you don't have a mentor in your life. Uh, a woman who's maybe 10 to 15 years older than you or maybe even five years or another man that's just a bit older maybe they're 10 20 I have mentors that are between 5 and 20 years and 30 years older than me and I, I feel like a I do like a constellation style what that means is this in church ministry this is highly significant if you haven't heard of it constellation just simply means that you have a certain number of mentors in your life that are over you there's somewhere between the 10 the thirty years above you. Then we come to the peer level, and the peer level are people who do what you do. They could be older, they could be younger, they could be the same age. But this is the time where you share among each other what you're doing, ministry-wise and idea-wise or strategy, whatever. Underneath your peer group, you have your mentees. You have your your team of guys that you pour back into. So you see what happens. There's a constant flow from mentors and leaders that are above you to your peer level to those that you're leading. and that, that means those that you lead in your team, those you lead in your church. It could be somebody that maybe you're, you've are got a unique relationship with and they're in Sunday school. Maybe they're not in your team, but it's somebody that you take care about and you want to see them grow in Christ. Okay. Rhythm and groove, this simply means as far as the five synergies of an effective team, rhythm from the heart, groove from the worship team and conveying emotion and compassion within worship and connecting the two together. Where it's not about music, but about the heart. Dreams. Are you a dreamer? How much time do you spend dreaming? Hold on, go back. <laughs> How much time do you spend dreaming? <laughs> and, and I don't mean dreaming like daydreaming, like when am I going to get out of this office today, I need to get on the road, I want a coffee. Okay, I'm talking about dreams. What has God called you to do in life right now that you're not doing? Or are you doing it? And if you are doing it, what are some other things about that dream that you really want to attempt? I deal with a lot of worship leaders and a lot of worship teams that I see throughout the country year after year. I've sat with worship leaders who have cried right in front of me, just broke down because they told me, Brandon, I have not been living the life that God's called me to. And I'll ask them, well, what do you want to do? I have one guy tell me, I want to fly an airplane why are you in ministry? Because my dad was in ministry. Uh, My dad was a pastor. My dad was heavy-handed. I always lived by his rules, and he told me exactly how I needed to be, and I needed to live that way, or else I wouldn't make it in life. And I said, yeah, but I understand, because I've had a rough childhood too. But tell me this, your dad says this, but what does God say about you? Because see, in reality, you're God's kid. So what does the Bible say about your relationship with God? You are Christ. So, I encourage you to dream, and I encourage you to pass on to your team to dream their dreams also, and be be a dream encourager. There's a great book if you want to check it out. It's called The Dream Giver. It's by Bruce Wilkinson. Go ahead, Brady. Pastor and worship leader relationship. (laughs) This is a big one. Okay. Senior pastor and the worship leader need to be a united, healthy team relationally, hands down, big time. The same worship leaders and worship teams that I visit and speak with, I would say probably 8 out of 10 have a horrible relationship with your pastor. I don't know where you are today. How's your relationship with your pastor? How's your relationship with maybe if it's another person on staff that you have to answer to? I know that I have my scars. When I first started ministry, I had a few great pastors that, wow, we went to dinner with, and it was all fun. I had other pastors who came in and told me that I should stop ministering to the people because all they wanted me to do is play music. And I felt like I was on tour every weekend. They just wanted me to play guitar, play keyboard, lead the band. No, 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 you can't have relationships with uh, people in the church ministry. We just want you to work the clock, and then you're done. Get out of here more often than what you think happens among pastors. And how awesome is it to see a worship leader and his senior pastor, or her senior pastor, lead arm-in-arm at the worship front on stage? Just arm-in-arm like that. When's the last time you see something like that? Never, once, twice, less than that? It can't happen. I'll talk more about that later. But that synergy between you and your senior pastor is critical. It is so critical. Why is that? Well, who are you leading at church? (laughs) You're leading the congregation. Do you think they can see through it? Can they tell what's um, unauthentic and what isn't? Yeah, right away, like that. It it starts like this. We have, let's say, um, we have a guitar player on the team. And he's having to play next to uh, the bass player that he doesn't like. And they're playing along. The guitar player's just doing this the whole time. Does that look joyful to you? Or maybe it's the singer in a team. The singers are singing next to each other. And and it's like this. You see a lot of this on stage. And you see this in the choir. I see this a lot in choirs. Some person that's standing like this the whole time in worship. Guy in the back just like this. How effective is that leading wise? None. It isn't a joke. Oh, what about this before rehearsal? Before rehearsal? No, that's my mic. You can't, you can't. use that. That's my. That's that's my music stand. What about this? What about arguments that happen before worship? Well, you can't sing that song. That's my solo. All right, I'll check it out. Or it could be whatever dispute that may be going on. Maybe you don't like somebody. Maybe you got a beef with somebody. Maybe somebody wronged you, and you hurt them. And you start talking about it. Who's around you listening? Are they a church member? Are they a lost person? Are they a person who's far away from God? What kind of relationship are you emulating to them? Were the words that your team is saying in your church, in your team? Let's talk about those 48 hours. Would you take the 48 hours of your worship team and share that with somebody else who doesn't know Christ? <laughs> um, I think that's hard enough for any of us to answer. So, relational. Not just work-related. It means this. you got to play together. Look, if you're a team, and you work together and play together, our worship ministry, look, timing is hard. It's hard for our church, too. But we, try, we strive, like every other month, to do something. Every other month, we try to have some kind of a get-together, a barbecue. We go to... Um, Like Brian and Cindy's house, we'll have a barbecue there. Or we'll go to Teresa's house, or like the next thing we're trying to do is plan like a bowling night instead of rehearsal. We haven't done that yet, because everyone's schedule's been hard to line up. I know we had a baby, it's been tough for us, but if you work together, you need to play together. Pick a Saturday, you can do things together. We do a thing, uh, we haven't done it yet, but I do a thing, done a thing in my past called off-campus rehearsal, where everyone shows up to the church, we leave our instruments and music, and go. Play pub golf. And I'd say to the whole team, "All right, it's time to go rehearse." And they look at me, "What? Go rehearse? Everybody brings about twelve bucks with them. Go spend two hours and and just have fun." They all come back. We all gather together and say, "Okay, well, then what did you learn?" And then you hear things like, "I learned that Steven's got cancer." I learned that Mary uh, had a death in their family. I learned that John needs prayer. You find out all these relational things about people because it's way much more than music. Music has nothing to do with it. It's all about life relationships and building into people and trusting people and loving people. Time and commitment is critical with your pastor. If you don't have it, pray for it. Speak to him. Ask him, hey, can we go to lunch? Make the ice, break the ice. I mean, don't wait for him to come to you or her to come. You need to go to them. And do it. Make it happen. If they don't respond and pray, God will take on their heart. But that's up to you. The main thing is to be secure in yourself and interdependent. That's it. Remember this, and I, and I encourage worship leaders all the time. And I'm just saying this, and I don't know where you are, but the senior pastor is just a senior pastor. He's not a replacement for our the role of a father kind of thing. And I know we like that as worship leaders as artists, you know, we need that because we're sensitive people. But senior pastors are a different breed, right? I mean these guys are like they're top execs, they got CEO type mindsets, and they don't have a lot of time. So there's also that freedom that you got to give to them as well. And and just respect where they are but still try to make time to be with them. Or you know tell them, hey it's important, can we meet once a week? I've had to ask pastors that all the time hey can we meet can we meet for like a Thirty minutes on a Monday. What do you want to talk about? And just tell them, hey, I just, I just want to learn about what you do, learn about you, so I can be better at what I do. You know, stroke the ego a little bit. It works. You know, it really does. Beat each other's Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan was the arm bearer of David, right? They went into battle together. They had a synergy together. If you don't know that story, look it up. And uh, was it first Samuel? story story's awesome and we made we named that's why we named our son Jonathan it's, there's an awesome story behind it but we don't have time <laughs> help each other win celebrate the wins with your pastor celebrate together celebrate these things with your team members celebrate their wins help each other win. don't be in competition with them if you have another worship leader on your team or another staff member who's trying to one-up you man, it ain't about that let it go I mean ministry and life's too short for that doesn't matter.
3: If you're gonna be in ministry
1: for the long term,
3: then you're gonna find out that one of the most important things is relationships, you know, and it's the commitment that you're making to one another. The minute the minute you don't feel like the other person is committed to you, then you start to check out, you know.
4: And and that's why, you know, I was thinking of the whole the whole
3: envy thing, you know, it's it's, think about it, you know, it's a feeling in your gut when someone calls the church office to ask if the pastor's preaching this weekend, or if the worship leader is using the A-team, and you're not included, you know? And the same thing can can work for a pastor, you know? The, the church that I worked at for many years, people would call every week to know if the worship leader was leading that weekend, that particular worship leader. And, you know, it would be easy for the pastor of the church to... Feel like man, how come they're all calling for him, but no one's calling for me? I'm the pastor. I'm the guy that gives the message. That's the most important thing, you know. But when you have unity and when you have a commitment to one another, those kind of things don't throw you off off base, you know. But those are things that you have to sit down and you have to talk about, you know, because if you don't talk about them, stuff will start to rise up. And if worship's more popular at your church than say. The, the preaching message, you know, all, all of a sudden you've put everything off balance, you know, or, or vice versa. Everyone's trying to kind of fight for their position, but when it's a team thing, you realize the only position you're fighting for is the mission and the vision that God's called you guys
1: to walk out together, you know? We do these podcasts about two three times a month, and they're just relevant conversations. It's not about... Hey, who's got the cool worship song this week or this month? I mean, we do a little bit of highlights of news, but mainly it's relevant messages. We'll have guests come on to talk about real issues that we all go through as teams. So check it out. It's just worshipteentraining.com slash podcast, and we'd love to have you join us. Uh, the relational value of the worship leader and their team. So ministry is about people, not programs. Lead by modeling, not by dictating. Do right, basically. Lead it out. Model it out. Even if you think, hey, this one person's not maybe where I, where I think that maybe they can be, you know what, then you can just lead it out by example, just by modeling. It's not about the words that you say all the time. It's really about your actions and what you do. Celebrate the wins, and we learn from their losses together. Look, we're all going to make mistakes. I know I, have, I, I make my mistakes, a fair share of them our life so learn from walk through walk through them together with your team and celebrate those wins no one's perfect a good working team is a good playing team talk about that too people are in your team because mainly they want to be okay not because they have to be there so like at rehearsal Sunday morning or other meetings you know your volunteers that come up, and I'm not talking about interns. I'm not talking about hired staff people, because those guys are expected to be there at functions that you have, such as rehearsal, Sunday leading, whatever. Okay, they're expected to be there because they have a role to follow through, basically. But your volunteers, that's like the guy that just plays keyboards in your band or guitar. Or they sing or they do PowerPoint or whatever. These guys show up at rehearsal or Sunday because they want to be there. Not because they have to be there. They want to be there. So are you making an environment that is conducive and facilitates that, fosters that? So we talk about follow leader and leaders that follow. We get that example here from Moses. And what I love about this passage is that we get right here where, where God says, that, I'm sorry, Moses says, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation, this nation is your people. Here, Moses is seeking God's permission. He's seeking God's permission to lead him. That's the difference. So, how often do we do we ask God of that? How often do we come to God seeking God's permission for God's leadership? I think think about it this way. That's what King Solomon did. If you read the story of King Solomon when he first became king, what was his first prayer? You remember? What was his first prayer to God when he became king?
0: So that he would be able to lead like David had to be equipped.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> David's, David's words, and I'm paraphrasing, his words were, Lord, give me the wisdom to lead these people. And God honored him. And God said to him, I will honor your prayers because you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for fame. You didn't ask for success. He asked for wisdom. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. We see God here granting access to Moses. And then Moses said, Of course, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses will not move if God is not present. That's the coolest thing there. Moses will not move if God is not present. That's the patience factor. That's the patience factor. We all need it. I learn patience every day. Some ways that are hurtful, some ways that are helpful, but 100% of it, I learn from it. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Again, God's. Demonstrates not only his patience but assures his faithfulness. So, as we wait through patience, God gives us faith to carry on through it. Now, if the Spirit of God is not doing the lead, is not leading us, what are we doing? If we're not in God's presence, we talked about the forty eight hours thing. And what are we doing? We just taking up space on Earth, just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you're still upset about something. Maybe you're just kind of, I don't know, cruising through life with some regret. But we learn how to wait on God through Moses. Moses learned how to follow, and then through that, Moses led through God. Moses didn't just stop and wait and just throw him the towel because he got upset. Moses learned to follow God, and therefore Moses learned how to let. He learned how to lead the people through God working. So that has a lot to do with situational leadership. <coughs> Have y'all heard of this term, situational leadership? Yeah, good. Where'd you learn from?
0: Uh, it was a um, master's work. It was yeah. Uh, developing lay leaders or
1: something like that. Right, right. Yeah. Have y'all heard of that too? Mm-hmm. No. No one has. Situational leadership simply means it's the ability to identify and adapt to the personalities or quote unquote situation. And Followership styles of people and using those adaptive styles to empower and guide them effectively for instance this You have a person on your team that asks a lot of questions You have that What are we doing and you tell them like three times? Well, we're gonna be doing Lord. I lift your name on high about ten times a Sunday because everyone loves that song and You still get the question. Well, how do you want? it done? Well, if I do it this way, do you want it like that? Well, how about this? Can I do this? And they're always asking questions. Well, you did this last week, but why aren't you doing it this week? And they're always asking questions. All right. You can look at that as a nuisance. You can look at that as somebody maybe trying to give you a hard time. Or you can look at it as maybe this person's being genuine in what they're asking because they're a person who just simply needs information. My wife is like that. Heather, she's a very concrete, abstract person. What that means is she's very to the fact she wants it sequential a b c d e f g if you put g in front of b she will check out okay it's not because she's trying to give someone a hard time it's because that's how she's wired she's wired to go from a through g and through z that's it a lot of people are like that so how do you deal with them in a team environment Do you shut them down because they're asking a lot of questions or do you listen to them and say okay well what's your question and then they tell you probe into that question when they say things like, well, well, hey, can we try it this way? Then ask them back, okay, well, then how would you do that? Refresh their memory on things. Hey, do you remember the conversation that we had here or there? And, and maybe they had a great idea. Let them run with it. If it's not a good idea, then it's not, you know, then you move on. You try something else. It could be maybe a person who is maybe withdrawn. Okay, Maybe you have a person on your team that's so introverted that you just can't seem to break their shelf, and you're wondering, what's up? Why, why can't they talk or why can't they just you know, do with what the rest of the team is doing? Maybe that person is not trying to be withdrawn for a reason. Maybe they're not trying to be antisocial. Maybe they could be processing the situation. Maybe there are some personal barriers inside that they can't seem to break free from. So you as the leader need to adapt to those situations. So to a person who's more withdrawn, you either let them have that space like you know James and he's being withdrawn. I'm either going to give him space to let him feel it out because if I just hover over him and say, hey, well, what's going on, James, tell me, and I'm just at him all the time, well, what's going on, he's going to withdraw even further probably. Or maybe he needs me to just come over to him and say, hey, man, what can I help with? And just, that's it. That's Maybe that's all he needs. But that's adapting to the situation. That's what situational leadership means, And that's also how you, you kind of lead out from that, with Your team and volunteers respond in two ways. It's how they are wired and what they interpret. Also, how you are wired and what you communicate. I'm not the best communicator. I know that I have a tendency to be over-direct. I have a tendency to be a little bit too, I can be harsh and I don't mean to. That's just how I'm wired. I may not have a bad day at all. I could be having a great day. But I have a tendency to be over directive. That's just who I am. And I could say something to, like, Brittany or Josh or uh, Rebecca and just say, uh, I'm Jessica, and just say, hey, well, you know, A, B, C, D, F, T, you know. And I may not be thinking how I'm coming across, but I could probably come across a little bit too maybe aggressive, and I don't mean to. So as a leader, I have to back up and go to that person and say, hey, did, did I say something wrong, maybe in the wrong way, because that's not how i meant it? Or maybe I wasn't assertive enough. Maybe uh, you you have people in your team that just want to run over you, that they always want their way, kind of thing. And you just kind of give in. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, you can you can do this or that. And they ask you silly things like, well, yeah, well, can I be, can I wear a big uh, yellow hat on stage because I think it goes perfect with my outfit for leading worship? And you're like, well, yeah, because you don't want to uh, go into you know you don't want to confront them. You avoid confrontation, so you'll say, yeah. Okay, you can you can do that. Or can I bring my kid to me, kid with me to rehearsal? And I don't they're gonna scream, but is that okay? And you're like, Yeah, sure, that's okay. Right. At that point, that's when you need to take more of the of the handle and define some boundaries and say, you know what, this is what we're going to be doing. This is acceptable, this is what is not acceptable. Make the ground rules. So a lot of that has to do with again. How you're wired and how you respond to your team and how you lead will make a huge difference in the decisions that you make and how your team follows that. Go ahead, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Take we were,
0: <laughs>
1: we're just joking. We didn't need to go to, we didn't, we didn't. <laughs>
0: to Where's the camera
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hillary, where is that camera? Oh,
4: my
0: God. <laughs> oh man.
1: Okay. Actually, I wanted to go to the last slide. I we didn't. Oh. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Oh. Kidding. Kidding. I would have been on kidding. Way, but no, I'm kidding. The okay, there, so she's. I'm
4: attentive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, this is situation leadership. You just kind of let her feel it out. Let her let her sleep <laughs> it off a little bit. <laughs> there Actually, there's no camera there. Is it rolling? Wow, no. that's funny. No, no, it's not. So. <laughs> Saved by the bell. <laughs>
0: Still so. oh, thinks he's awake. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. Delusional. That's right. That's okay though. We all we all get tired.
1: Uh, there's a little thing called ambient, what not to do. Yeah. Heather had to get off that stuff in the hospital. Right. So reality of people, they may not, this is what I mean, is that they may not be the problem if they're innocently being who they are or match the need. Okay, this is just personal, this is just um, conflict resolution stuff. Okay. People who asked a lot of questions, I kind of went through that. People who are quiet yet confident, people who are energetic, they need a job to do. People who are withdrawn, maybe they need some more time and care. can we all just get along aspects and conflict resolution? Roddy King. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15, praise is to be the fruit of our lips. So what kind of words are you saying to... Handle conflict. If our worship is genuine, the experience of offering praise to God should transform the way we speak and relate to others. I'll say it again. If our worship is genuine, the experience of offering praise to God should transform the way we speak and relate to others. If our relationships are not genuine, neither is what we give back to God in worship praise according to Hebrews 13 5 what does that mean is to be the fruit of our lips well, what is taking root in your heart what does that mean the fruit of your lips y'all tell me what that means when Hebrews says that that praise is to be the fruit of our lips what does that mean not everybody me <laughs> What is taking root in your heart? How is your spirit growing? What is the condition of your soil? Can you see, okay, James? I'm standing right here. I want to get your way. I I didn't see the the shovel. (laughs) 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 It's like a trowel. Sorry, that just reminds me of diaper changing right there. can't help it. Um, What kinds of seeds do you plant from your lips? Thought about that one? If uh, Any fruit, any good fruit will produce seeds, right? So think about the things that are fruitful in your life. Are you sharing that with others? And if they were dropping seeds, are they dropping in the right place for others that they can learn to grow from? That's a great question. The fruit of the seed is representative of your soil. That's why Jesus said, what proceeds from the mouth comes from What do you mean? As a leader, how do you handle comments, criticism, and conflict? (laughs) No one likes conflict, right? How many times have you had someone come to you after worship? I don't like that song. Why did you choose that song? What about the pastor? Why did you choose that song? Because you said I could? Yeah, but you weren't supposed to choose that song. How do you handle that? How do you handle it when you have a team member that comes to you and says, Well, I just don't feel like I want to play guitar today. I'm sorry, but today's worship, and you're saying, What? I don't feel like playing guitar today. How do you handle that? How do you handle it when a church member comes to you and says, You know what? I can do your job better. I'm serious. How do you handle that? You quake, quiver, draw. You fight, throw a stone at him, but you listen. You know what? Nine times out of ten, it has nothing to do with you anyway. That's one of the exteriors that I've had to learn through all my ministry experience, I'm sure you have too. So let's hear what David Morgan has to say. A worship leader from Laporte, Texas. And these are weekly toolbox things that we put up on the Worship Team Training side of YouTube. Hi, hey, Worship Team, Brandon Dempsey here. Great to have you back here at worshipteentraining.com with our rehearsal toolbox here with a friend and pastor, David Morgan.
4: Especially during uh, a, a worship team practice, whenever the team is together and we're working together and practicing together, we all give input and feedback to different aspects that
0: affect, you know, primarily the instrument we're playing. Whenever somebody has a, a, some criticism, then I look at it as constructive criticism and uh, you just stay focused on what we're doing and, and understanding that everything we do in
1: worship doesn't please 100% of the people all the time. The important one we're pleasing is God not the individual. So basically, we are to just honor people as they air their comments, but yet Absolutely. by listening to them, Absolutely. validating, and then not letting it affect our worship, and at the same time, we also want to esteem them. That's right. Great. Well, uh, David, thanks for sharing that with us. And guys, we'll see you back here. Try this in your next rehearsal, and see it works for you. We'll see you back at the next worship Training workshop. of Lux. Thank you. And we had... Have... Worship team, a worship team member came to a pastor. Now, a worship team member came up after Sunday service and said, I don't like that song. Why did you choose that song anyway? The person replied, tell you what, next time when we worship you, we'll do your songs. That was a senior pastor who said that. That was not a worship leader. A worship leader would have lost his job like that if he said that. <laughs> to it. To a church member, no way. Senior pastor said that. Now, I would not handle that in that fashion, but he could because he's a senior pastor. He knew what he wants. For me, I wouldn't. But basically, it's just through listening. And I want to get to that. The story of Claire. We were doing a song. Uh, you guys know who Tommy Walker is, okay? Tommy's a cool guy. I've known him for quite a while, and. He has a song called uh, How Good and Pleasant It Is. Great song. Chorus line repeats, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Just constantly. Great tune. It's like an urban kind of fun thing. We did it in church. And this one old lady, after service, came up and she goes, I don't like that song. Okay. So I asked her, I said, can you tell me what it is that you don't like about that song? Instead of me you know, saying, well, we're doing that song anyway and you just need to listen to it. That's not the approach. But I listened to her. I said, okay, well, tell me. What, what is it that you don't like about that song? Well, it just repeats all the time. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I said, yeah, that's pretty repetitive, huh? She goes, yeah. I said, does that annoy you? She goes, yeah, it does. Okay, good, I, I accept that. And she goes, Brandon, why can't we just sing the good old hymns? I said, you're right. I and mean, you may get that a lot. She said, why can't we sing them in this service? And I said, well, because at the time when I was on staff at this church, it was not a a blended or traditional service. It was a contemporary full-blown service. And she was asking, well, why can't we sing the hymns? I said, well, Claire, the reason is because the pastor, and by the way, the pastor is the worship leader of the church, not you, okay? What he says goes. He's the spiritual representation of God at that block. So I had said in honoring my pastor and supporting him and do that all the time, I said, well, the senior pastor, wanted this style of music because we're doing this kind of service to reach these kind of people for God. And we honor God through this kind of music. That's the reason why we do it. And she goes, yeah, but why can't we sing like, you know, it is well as my soul and and she just went on and on with these hymns and I said, you know you're right. And I just I it's like God just said to my mind, Brandon, listen. And I began to understand where she was coming from. And I and I related to her, I said, you know what? I said, my favorite hymn is How Great Thou Art. I love that hymn. I love it. I can sing it every day in different styles. It wouldn't matter to me. Something happened. The next day, I saw the uh, pastor. And uh, he said, hey, Brian, I saw Claire corner you after church. So what was that all about? I said, yeah, pastor. I said, she asked me about if we can sing hymns in the church. And he goes, oh, yeah, that. And he goes, hey. Come on with me in my office. And I thought, oh man, what'd I do? He goes, shut the door. And I'm like, great, I'm going to get it now. I sit down. He goes, Brandon, I think I need to tell you something that you don't know. Okay? He goes, this is about Claire. What is it? Her husband used to be the senior pastor of this church and died in this very seat on Christmas Eve. 20 years ago. You can imagine what I felt at that moment. I was crying. Tears came to my eyes. I thought, wow. And he said, Well, I think it's important for you to know because that's who she is. That's where she's coming from. What God taught me that day was all about where people are and the songs that we sing, the messages that we put up in church. Our relationships matter. And to this lady, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, when she was singing those hymns, she was hand-in-hand with her husband worshiping, and that was worship for her. And those hymns took her to another time and place, and it was a connection point. That's what mattered to her. So see, it had nothing to do with the contemporary music that we were singing. It had nothing to do with her not liking the service or maybe if she didn't like the way I did things. It had everything to do with what she knew at home in the heart, what was important to her. And serving her God. And it had to do with her husband. That's okay. That's just where people are in life. So, a lot of the times, 90% has nothing to do with you. So, just stop and think. 10% of it may be a shred of truth, but 100% of it is all that you can learn from the situation. 100%. So, leading with a purpose, we talk about beginning with the end in mind. I love that statement. Begin with the end in mind. Uh, my mentor, his name is Monty Kelso, and he said that, and it just shocked my world. What it simply means is that you work backwards. Where do you want to end up? Is what it means. It's like if you were to take a, a bow and arrow and shoot on the target, and let's say that arrow is right there in the center, and that's where you, that's where you ended up. Well, how did you get there? How are you able to shoot straight? How are you able to make that target? And can you do it again? So I ask this question, because that has a lot to do with it. What is the mission vision of your church? Do you know it? Yes or no? Yes? No? Can you recite it? All right, good. So what is the mission vision of your worship ministry? Do you have one? Okay. What is your personal mission vision? Do you have one? mission, vision of the church helps you stay on task as a congregation. You follow the pastor's lead to reach people for Christ. Hopefully, that has something to do with the mission of your church. (laughs) That's why we're here. The mission, vision of your worship ministry should be intertwined with what the church at large is already doing. Not making a separate camp. You see that happen in youth ministries all the time. They make these fantastic mission, vision statements, you know, and they want to be something, which is great, but Sometimes they can get a little heady, and it's almost as if they're creating their own little church on this side over here when the rest of the church is waiting on them. What's your personal your personal mission vision statement? Guys, this is about calling versus career. What you do as a worship leader, it's just a job. It's just a job. Your calling is to be a minister calling as a minister you can do anything it doesn't matter if you're pumping gas for a living cleaning up the BP oil spill flipping hamburgers or hot dogs being an accountant you're a minister you don't have to be in a church to minister being a minister simply means that you are making yourself available to God to follow his call to reach people for Christ period the outcome of worship ministry mission what is the outcome of a worship ministry mission, mission statement? All right, a mission vision statement for your ministry is to help clarify the direction, intention, and purpose for your people as it relates to the framework of your local church's mission. There's mud. Okay, try it again. A mission vision statement for your ministry is to help clarify the direction, intention, and purpose. For your people as it relates to the framework of your local church's mission does that make sense okay so it can be like as a church let's say this is the church of Truett University all right and our mission is to educate for God educate Saints for the work of ministry your, your vision statement says how you do that Your mission says what it is. Your vision says how you get there. So as a vision, we would say, we provide a curriculum base to help set apart God's word for God's people. Let's say that's our vision statement. Now, if I was a worship ministry, in this, what would I do? I would say something like, well, then the the mission of the worship ministry would be to help, because education is important an important value for this church, Well, that needs to be important for my ministry, too. So I would say, as a worship ministry, to educate people for the ministry of music. I'll just make an example. How do you do that? Uniquely combining relationships with a servant's heart and serving God. That would be like my vision statement does that make sense how that kind of all intertwines together hope I didn't get too heady and wordy Did I lose you okay good a clear defined purpose that's what a mission business statement does or your personal mission business statement helps develop core values it also is buy-in and ownership for the people that you lead it also promotes unity and direction a common purpose also measure attainable goals so then you can look back at your mission vision statement let's say try it you make one and then a year from now say all right where where do I fall now in that grid I, we made this mission vision statement how are we doing are we really educating our worship team in the way they should be for the second ministry are we not then make a checklist okay what are the things that we need to improve do we need to do online resources do we need to assign books Do we need to institute a Bible study? Do we need to set up accountability groups? There's many different ways that you can look at the picture. The question is, are you doing it? So use this as a tool. Use this to be creative. Here's how you can develop your ministry's mission, vision statement. If you're asking that question, how do I come up with one? Okay, here you go. This is just ideas. You can make it your own and do what you want with it. There's a thousand and one ways to do it. But how to make a good and definable statement would be simple and to the point. A pastor that I served with at one time said that a mission-vision statement should be recited in two seconds at gunpoint. That's how memorable it should be. Um, my, my personal mission-vision statement is to fan the flame in people's hearts to grow hotter for God. That's my personal mission and business statement. Say
2: that one more time. Yeah. Uh, I defeated your purpose, didn't I? Sorry. Is to fan the
1: flame into people's hearts to grow hotter for God. That's my personal mission and business statement. My ministry mission and business statement is to um, is to inspire, create, and transform the leading of worship. That's worship team training. And our church worship ministry mission vision statement is to help equip and edify people to go through the arts. To I mean, to help edify and equip people in the arts as it relates to our overall church church mission. Something to that effect, but. You know, the the whole idea is that it's intentional, it does what it says, we nurture it, and we pray for it and live it. So, nurture it, pray for it, and live it. Empowering younger leaders for tomorrow. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be there. The time that you spend with younger generations, or maybe guys that are your age, the time you spend with them is gold. I mean, if it's like, it could be anything. It could be 15 minutes on every Sunday. It could be maybe an hour on a designated day during the week. Maybe it's just an hour a month. But the time that you spend is critical. And why is that? Well, because you wanna walk with them in their dreams, in their development. You, it's, it's a caring mechanism. It's, it's life breathing and life giving. I mean, teams of twenty somethings have a policy to involve them. Turn your veteran member, your your veteran members, the older guys, into mentors. Even if they're not in your worship team, find somebody in the church and just say, "Hey, I know you're not a music person, but John over here who." Plays drums. He really needs an older guy. Could you kind of, can I put you guys together? Y'all go out to coffee? And then you talk to John and say, hey, John, um, Steve over here at the church, he really wants to spend some time with you. I think it'd be great if y'all got together. Cool. Let it happen. Give them opportunities to lead. Give them opportunities to lead. The younger members in your church and your team, give them opportunities to lead. If it's a worship service if it's playing instrumentally, if it's singing a solo, if it's maybe leading a Bible study, if it's maybe mentoring another younger person that they can help give them opportunities to lead because that's how they're going to grow. If you don't provide opportunities for your guys that you're leading to lead, how else are they going to learn it? How else are they going to learn things like responsibility and commitment and fun and then learning and growth from it because all those things can come out of it. The reason why is this. And here's the other thing too. Give them room to make mistakes. Okay? Because they're gonna, they're going to, it's gonna happen. It happens with all of us. But give them room, because that's part of learning. Mentoring is asking, not telling. Mentoring is asking questions, not telling them what to do. Importantly, here's the bottom line. Think of where you are today and how you got here. How you got there. So simply this. Look back on your life and identify men and women who have been instrumental to get you where you are today. You're not here without a reason, right? Somebody in your past helped get you to where you are right now, sitting in this room. It's not by coincidence that you're here. It's not by coincidence that you're in your ministry. So what do you do? Pass it on to others. Keep it to yourself. Help to grow others ministry is about so these are just some common steps simple practical steps that you can use in your ministry and make them your own now now these are just some ideas this is not the only way to do it there's a thousand one ways to do it the question is what are you going to take away to make it your own so any questions on what was covered today maybe some ideas that sparked off things that You thought before, but maybe they were brought to the forefront today, or things that you haven't thought before. Any aha moments?
2: So that so for the lips one, oh, yeah. yeah. I do I have a, a I guess a question? Sure. Um, it's a confrontational kind of question we okay. talking about that. Um, you got it. I think that I, that personally um, I I feel oh I mean I don't obviously enjoy confrontational moments, but I feel like I'm okay most of the time to sit back and listen, like like you said. It's harder when it's um, relationally Oh, like, way. You, like you were saying as far as how maybe a congregation member would come up and say i think i can do your job better but the the accompanist will not say that in words but through um actions or so that's a so, obviously an issue really um yeah well i mean it's not and that's, that's a harder um situation like i i think i'd give a lot more, uh, more credit but let a congregation member go there easier than I'm a leader even over the accompaniment, right. so that's that's a harder situation, right. and it happens in front of volunteers, wow. and, you know, um, so how would you handle that?
1: I would handle it by, number one, pulling her to the side, away from the group, and just say, hey, I sense that there's a little bit of frustration on your end, can you tell me what's going on? Let her talk. Just listen. Hopefully she'll tell you. And she says, Well, you know, I just maybe she'll say, I don't like the way you do things. And ask her back a question. Well, what is it that I'm doing? Let her talk. And then maybe, maybe there's something along the way that could have happened that went unbeknownst to you. Gives you a perfect a perfect opportunity to address it. You never know. And there's remember, there's always that shred of truth, but there's also the 90%. And her 90% could be. You could get down to the very bottom let's say maybe she calls you a week later or a month later and says, you know what i know you asked me that question and i wasn't being honest with you here's what's really going on with me something's really broken at home and when i come here i just feel stressed and i don't mean to but i take it out of you and i'm sorry could be that so there's always deeper things going on but but on a logistical level if they're always like that they're always at you like well you know like you're saying they can Kind get the feeling that they're telling you what to do. Well, there's simple little tools that you can say. Um, one is, I'll take that under advisement. Thanks for your comment. Move on. Don't address it. See, a lot of, a lot of the times, you have team members that want to challenge you, kind of test your armor, see if you're real or not. you got to let them have opportunities to do that. Because if you start flinching, and you start getting a quick reaction like, well, you." As a leader, and let's say they they speak to you that way, and as a leader, you go back to them and go, well, "You can't you can't treat me that way. I'm I'm the boss. I'm leading you. You need to listen to me." They're going to shake you off right away, and it's just going to prove to them that yeah, that that person just you know doesn't care. They're just short tempered, and that's how you'll be seen. But if you handle it with grace, and ask questions, get to know what's going on, you'll learn a lot. It will happen. I think it also helps. We recently read a book called Spiritual Leadership. Oh, yeah. By, uh... Is it Blackburn? No. Where's a few of them. Yeah. Um, um, Blackaby? Or oh, was it
2: Blackaby. Blackaby, Blackaby. Blackaby okay. I okay. yeah. just read it. Uh, our staff read it as a whole. Cool. Um, but in there, I think I was reminded over and over again, and through this, again, just it has to do with intention and right. where my intention I know that my where my intention was, and it was um, God's will be done first. Yeah. Um, and I don't ever even second guess myself, so they don't fluster me. They don't have the, a, a way to um, make me second guess myself.
1: Right. Well, and people want to push your buttons, mm-hmm. and you have to learn how to not give them a spring to do it. Yeah. So I love. I, that's why I love asking <laughs> questions because it. It helps despring the issue, and you can pull the emotion out of it and just get to the fact. Sometimes people have a hard time letting go their emotions and what they feel. That's okay. People have to work through it. Nothing wrong with that. But you want to get the emotion to the side when appropriate, so then you can deal with the objectivity of the issue. And just say, hey, okay, what's really... And then even ask the question, what can I do? Then? Is there something I can do to help? Then they'll tell you. And then make... When you make your value, keep it.
0: I just—I mean, that same similar thing even happened at lunch today.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I, had two, I have two. I have—I have our children's minister came, and she she's doing our preschool choir. But then I had two other ladies that also came that are—they um, both have degrees in music, and you know, I, one of them came from California. I mean, she's got a degree from you know and and you know very musically traditionally grounded and uh you know this whole idea of you know praise and worship is just and think songs is just blowing their minds because you know they think it's cheap music and then yeah. I actually gave her a book to read from Marmadon, Don. good you know, uh, dummy no the, uh, uh, the royal waste of time royal waste of time yeah, and so quickly. in it says she you know that that contemporary worship is like burger king you know you've got your gourmet food you have got your you know home cooked food and then you've got your burger king and that's contemporary christian music and i was like yeah. yeah but when did she write the book it was 1999 and i said i think at that era yeah you know there was some contemporary christian music that was maybe leaning towards that and i said i think you know it's oh no you know there's there you're just in a different situation i mean this whole conversation at lunch the four of us and it was like those two against us because you know the children's minister and I. i mean we were you know we're 30 and under and they're 50 and over 55 and over you know and so she's i mean it was like i was having the I was like, God, give me. She was one you know, Just hold my tongue. Because, I didn't want to Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, and, and I, I love what Rick Warren says in The Person Life that, you know, there's no such thing as Christian music, it's Christian lyrics. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. she just she can't stand that. Because yes. she, you know, no, there's a book that says that the music and the lyrics go hand in hand. And I said, so the hymns with the old bar tunes i said what do you explain that yeah you know i mean those were anyway it's just you you know i'm i'm having to learn a lot and this is really funny that you were even (laughs) talking about this stuff because you know sometimes
2: people with that perspective is so
0: strong i don't know that you would ever convince them no it's not worth it you're right you know what you do you know what you do let them win yeah And i don't want to convince them you know because that's not my job i mean that's my job is to not mess what i heard somebody say um you know refer to those people as either you know the leaky balloons or don't don't major uh don't spend major time with minor people you know not that they're minor but they're what they're what they're causing is minor you know what i mean know, and don't um don't give in to that because i think you know sometimes know, Satan uses people like that, mm-hmm. whether they realize it or not, but, you yeah. know, just to affect your own personal ministry or where, where you are spiritually, you know, to bring to bring you down. But, yeah. Anyway. Because it's wearing.
1: Well, then, if you can't compete with them, let them win. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I might move on. Just mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just so <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> I think what you did was not mad. Right. I think that it's good to try to educate as much as premieres yeah. as you can, yeah. and then
2: you just got to let go of God. I mean, they got yeah.
1: it. It's so much easier that way. I mean, there's there's people, we were talking about this this morning. My interns know this at our church. You know, we have this flock of people that they feel like, yeah, traditional music is right. So, okay, who cares? I just let them, you know, we talk and I'll just say, they, they even tell me, well, yeah, well, the music could have been better if you did this hymn. And I just laugh it off now. I'm just like, yeah, you're right. We could have done that hymn, couldn't we? <laughs> and they just look at me like, I don't get you. Why are not you getting mad? And I'm like, because I don't want to pick a fight with you,
4: because yeah, that's what a lot battles. of people.
1: Well, a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. They they just want to <laughs> throw things at you. And it's like, man, it's not worth it. it. Really isn't. It's not worth the time or energy. Look, I'll tell you. I served at Second Baptist, and I was in their children's worship ministry in Houston. You know anything about that church? It's, it's twenty thousand people, eight hundred eight hundred kids, just K through five, in worship, and I led that. Here's the difference about Second Baptist that you won't find in any church. Yeah, you have church members that come up to the uh, to any minister or leader and they say things like, You know what, I don't like the way you do things? You have a minister right behind you walking up to you, and they'll step right between you and that other person and they'll dismiss that person with that credible comment. And they'll just simply say, Look, we don't have time for this. This nit- this nitpicking is not is not of God. What you're saying is not the fruit from your lips, so you need to just take this up with God or take it up with the senior pastor. See you later. And
2: did people leave because of that, or did it matter? No. Or did... No. They just realized. What they just realized the that, look,
1: what I said was stupid. You know, you know but I think the, the, in the main
0: thing, like like even in our situation, you know, the church is in transition, the pastor, the staff is on board. With, and the leadership is on board of, of a direction maybe that God's placed on the pastor's heart, like you said. But you know, I think that's that's the key is is being together, unified as as a, as a core group, as the team. You know, like you said yesterday, is an OI team, and you've got to remember that because you know if you if you're not if you're in it together, then you know bring it on. I mean, because. That's, that's the church's goal is to minister to the people right. and to that people group and whatever the whatever that demographic's going to be,
1: you know, and the, yeah. you know, the, the direction it's being led. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, there's, there's way too many people coming to your church that want to know more about who God is and how they can grow in their relationship and knowing him. It's not worth spending the excess energy trying to prove who's more right in the situation because you're still mad at them. It's of no value. Look, if you're still hurt, you deal with it with that person and come to them and, and work it out. Beyond that, you have a community to worry about who's seeking Christ, who's far from Christ, those who walked into your, your church doors, who maybe walked away from a divorce that day, you don't know where they came from before they come to your church. And if all your church does is just bicker and complain and in your worship team, there goes there goes the salt and light factor that Jesus talked about.
2: How do you uphold that and maintain that when you are one of the minority who stand for that? I mean, as far as minority among staff
4: and as congregation as, as, as a whole. I mean, that's it's the whole our whole yeah. church has been
1: Yeah, and it's hard when your pastor is not supportive.
2: He is. Our okay. pastor is. It's just then, that he's like the only one. The rest of the staff still is kind of against even him. The staff even. The new people are, they're okay with you
1: know change, what? But, but. My my best friend in ministry always told me, as long as you're walking one-on-one with a pastor, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that matters. And then it comes down to modeling. And you know what? I've had people in my team to bigger and complain. And I'll pull them to the side and say, you know what, what's really going on here? And they'll tell me, okay. And I'll say, "Uh, what you're going through is important. And I understand that. But we have a responsibility as leaders that we're here together, we're unified. We don't speak that way to one another. We don't talk that way. And I really need your help. And, And then offer the assistance. Hey, is there something that I can do to help you with whatever that you're going through. How can we walk through this together? So you give them a tool, you you make the boundary, but then you also make yourself available to help them. And you can even say things like, "Look, um, what you're doing." Um, hold if they're being nasty with somebody, hold it to the side and say, "You know, if you had to support your pastor, you can do this." And I would talk to your pastor first and say, "Hey, so and so has this issue with me. How can?" Ask them. What's what be an effective way to, to deal with it? They come to you, um, let's say, and they got a complaint, your, your member, your team member, whatever, and they tell you the problem. They're bickering at somebody else. You can, if you got the support of your pastor, you should be able to say, "What you're doing is what you're doing is unacceptable and not wholesome to the group." Mm-hmm. So this is what, I, and they're like, "Well, they get all mad." Okay, then you say this. We have a service to do. We have an objective to meet in rehearsal. These are the, this is what we need to do, and I need to have your help to be unified with heart and mind, spirit and attitude, and ask the question, are you with me? Well, yeah, but I have to, no, no, no. Are you with me? And you can even ask questions like this, like like this applies to late stragglers, to rehearsal, that keep coming in late or whatever. You can say this to him also, can i rely on them to be here form a commitment with them well i don't know if i could be here i don't know if i could stop talking about this person i don't like them say you know what then this is where mission vision comes important this is this is the, this is the key this is why we do it here's why this is beautiful say that person's got a bickering attitude or whatever You simply say that you listening and go, okay, well, let me ask a question. What's the mission vision of our worship ministry? they will stop and bend the tracks like that. It's, well, then I don't care about this mission. No, no, no. We've done this. To, we've worked through this together. Get, get by and get team shit from your, your, your peeps as you form your mission vision statement. Throw out a few ideas to them. Say, hey, does this sound good? We're trying to work on a mission vision statement. I really like your input. Do that. It helps build community and buy-in. When you get it framed and made, and then when you have these squabbles later on, you just, then you can say, you know what? Um, six months ago, we talked about forming a mission vision for our ministry. Do you remember what we talked about? We talked about things like you know, healthy, positive attitude, spirit of willingness, adaptability, and unity. you will say, yeah. Okay, then what you're bringing me about this person or what you're doing here to that person, how does that fit into the mission vision that we came up with? Seriously, you can hang your hat on it. And if they have a problem with it, then you can say, you know what? I encourage you to spend some time to think about the mission vision of this church and how that relates to what you're going through. How can I help you? Because I want to see you win. I want to see you succeed. I don't want to see you frustrated with this other person. I don't want to see you frustrated with you trying to tell me how to do my job. (laughs) So I'm going to charge you, challenge you, so, I can help you come back and let me know. And I've I even, I even had to put people on hiatus because they just could not get over the problem. And I simply had to say to them, look, this is a frustration to you. You know, I mean, you're not disowning them, you're not rejecting them, but just say, look, what you're telling me is legitimate. You're frustrated, right? You're like, well, yeah, you bet I'm frustrated. And you can say things like, validate them. Just say, I can see why that's important to you. If it wasn't, you wouldn't bring it to me, right? Well yeah, you bet it is. Okay. Well if you're this riled up, don't you think you need to work through a little bit, take some time off and cool down? We'll think about it. Then that's, if you need to if you need to stay at this point and draw the line to sand, you can do that and just say, you know what? I don't like seeing you frustrated. Because it's it's not good for you, it's not good for the group, it's not good for me. How about you just take off for a few weeks? Just to work it out. And in the meantime, how about invite this person to coffee? If you want, I'll go with you. But I think it's better if you two go. Provide some outs for them, help them through it. Don't, don't condemn them in, in their sin, because that's the Holy Spirit's job, not yours. But you're just to help facilitate Facilitate them, facilitate, rehabilitate them. So, okay, well, let's get to a healthier mindset. What can we do together? You'll find, you will find out that they will provide more answers than what you can shake a stick at. And then, they, and then what the beauty of it is, they fix their own problem. And then they come back to you and go, you know what, you've been saying this all along and it just took me this time to listen finally. Thank you. And you may never get that. But the difference is, is that God's put a calling on your life to model it and to be authentic. So, I think our time is up. Right. Um, would you guys mind just, if you haven't already, just fill out uh, the sign-up sheet? And we have like the books that you're looking at. They're going to go to sell. We have a DVD coming out. We have webinars coming out, and also a workshop at your church if you like that. If you like for that, just feel free to take the information, sign up on it, and I would love to follow up you so guys. Thank you guys for coming.
0: Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu/alleluia.